good episode, a really informative episode for you. Uh, you watch Parks and Recs? I've seen a few of them episodes. Fuck, what was his name? Um, on the radio. That shit hell old. Purred happily. What's happening with Purred? This is a leftist, Marxist, Leninist podcast. We were going to define. Sponsored by the DSA. With the Red Roses and Bernard Sanders and a political revolution. Black Lives Matter. Coexist. Refugees welcome. <laughs> Hellblack episode 71. We back on that bullshit. Yeah, man, we here. Fucking with it. Rocking. Quarantine, you know. Fuck Corona, nigga. Fuck the USA, nigga. Fuck Trump, nigga. Fuck all them crackers who was protesting with guns and shit saying we need to go back to our jobs and shit and saying fucking quarantine is communism fuck all you social distancing is communism bro what yes sir that's how you know these white people really just they don't know fucking shit bro i mean like, we, we were talking about it earlier like i wish and you got trump over here saying liberate virginia liberate michigan <laughs> nigga what out of all the things that give folks to go up in arms it's not being able to go back to work and be exploited. They took our jobs. <laughs> what kind of cognitive dissonance does one has to have to have one to possess to go up in arms, storm the state capitol, and demand that they be required that they that they be allowed to go back to work? They're trying to fire their governors, fire their politicians because they're Republican politicians. Even at that, are trying to keep them "quote unquote" safe from COVID nineteen. And these mu- these fuckers is literally. Capitalism protesting. has done a number on folks' psyches. That's just really how you know how this like <laughs> colonial propaganda folks is so psyches, fucking bro. strong. And this buy into whiteness, because that's what it really is. It's this buy into whiteness. Out of all the things you could demand, you want to demand your right to go back to work and be exploited. And to get sick. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just rereading George Jackson and is really just talking about these working a lot of them, you know, are actually like working class white people. But they're indoctrinated into this fucking colonial fucking propaganda, this fucking pig fascist fighting propaganda. for your right to live check to check. Not le- not let me fight and go back with for better, for better working service, <laughs> with better working conditions, health care, higher higher wages. Let me go back to my old life. And let a lot me. of this white working class people are far right. So niggas always talk about the working class and always like, oh, the white working class. Like one conversation niggas ain't having about the working class is nigga. A lot of this white working class is some far right imperialist fucking pigs, bro. Period. And we seeing this shit happen right now. The motherfuckers up and up with their guns and shit, white trying malicious. to go back to work. <laughs> so when we say you feel me, niggas got to have self defense, nigga. Nigga have to have protection, nigga. This is the shit. Like these motherfuckers will go up in arms for this shit. Just, Imagine you feel me, niggas are actually doing some of that, you know, revolutionary shit, nigga. The fuck you think gonna happen, nigga? You ain't seen police talk. Do. Exactly. What they always do. Whenever black folks start taking their they, uh, lives into their own hands, and not even in the sense of like black folks start responding in violence. I mean, when black folks just try to make, make something for themselves, right? <laughs> we, we talk about Tulsa. We talk about Black Wall Street. I'm not talking about when black folks arm themselves. I'm talking about when black folks just go out and try to live their life and adopt into a system. Pick up their bootstraps, you feel me? Even when black folks is practicing capitalism, nigga, they bomb us. They nigga. cause harm. <laughs> so... You know, I mean, white white folks show you when they want something done. What do they do? Pick get up their a gun. AR-15s. <laughs> when they want when they want something done, when they trying to get a point across, pick up, they their, pick guns. up their guns. You can get ready, brother. Don't tread on me. They exercise their their rights. Their Second Amendment right afforded to them by the United States Constitution. Come on. And what's wild though is Trump is really just playing to that game because you know Trump ain't as 
foolish as he comes off or as people try to make him say. Like, I think people think that he ain't, you know, I mean, he ain't intelligent, but, you know, he's smarter than what people try to say he is. Like, he's saying, oh, liberate Virginia. It's on the governors and shit. He's just trying to keep his base empowered in this election. So this is just colonial propaganda, again, coming from Trump. Even though I, I do think Trump really thinks, like, niggas should actually be in the house. I mean, he just but said he three, just, three weeks ago he was telling folks to stay in the house. Just That was just what his message was, stay safe, stay home. That was, now he's that was the message Virginia. from everyone, right? Now that liberate. And what does liberate mean? Go back to being a slave. That's what take up arms against that's your what governor. liberation means for folks. It's so I don't he's know, really man. he's imagine really if just, they were imagine if we had them folks on our team. Shit, man. I wish they was that I wish they was ready to die about some real shit. <laughs> go back to work. Go back to work. <laughs> keep keep being a, a white exploited working class. I've never seen someone wanna fight in the need of their own oppression so badly. Fight yeah. for the fight. In alignment with their own expectation. I've never. I've, and they out there with their "Make America Great Again" shit on. So it's really just Trump trying to activate his base. At right least now. folks know what make America what makes America great. In right? election year, <laughs> it's showing the fascist regime literally in full effect and seeing its fascist supporters outside in full effect. So, yeah. But you know, a little sidetrack from the episode that we're gonna talk about. <laughs> but we I mean, to, it's I not because it's not a sidetrack. Everything about the, everything I fellow black is a critique of the white supremacist. Yeah. Capitalist patriarchal nation that is it's all interconnected the in some way. Of America. It's all, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about patriarchy and white supremacy just from the perspective of a fat sex worker. So this shit is going to work. Perfectly. Smooth transition. It's going to work perfectly. <laughs> I'm I'm hella excited about this episode. Like, yeah. So what are we going to talk about, man? You already hinted at it. I mean, so yeah, we're going to talk about um, anti-fatness um, and horophobia and their direct connections to white supremacy and patriarchy and i'm excited to have uh raven who was a fat sex worker from chicago come on here and drop some knowledge from niggas because i mean we just been what i've been thinking about a lot lately is is theory and practice that's a word that's those are two words that have come up for me a lot in the past two weeks and i'm thinking about how so many people are on here and it also was birthed from a, from a conversation we had with ty when ty was saying that when we were talking about um marxism socialism communism we we're talking about all this year right and he was saying that People like to make the argument for density as like if density makes it um, any less valuable, like something is too dense, right? Like too hard of a read. And then I'm also thinking about theory and, and, and practice. And so I think oftentimes people talk about a society, a socialist society, a communist society, a society where anti-blackness or white supremacy, um, capitalism and patriarchy no longer exist. But it's like, nigga. What are you doing to understand these experiences of white supremacy, of patriarchy, of capitalism um, from other perspectives than yours, right? And that's why I'm like, when we, at Hella Black, what we try to do is bring on folks that are um, falling victim to this state that don't Surviving identify. Surviving the state <laughs> in a different way that we, in which we are and that, the, the way we don't see it, you feel me? So I think that's, you know, even we're facilitating these conversations, but niggas is still learning in real time, too, you feel me? So I think that's one shit we try to show it how we're black as nigga we learning in real time too and we having these conversations that exactly. can be had anywhere else and you know why it's important because how can you talk about this uh, a state a, a world where white supremacy capitalism and patriarchy no longer exists and you don't even know what the other identities right you don't know what fat sex work fat sex work fat sex workers need from a society like that right exactly. it's important why as we talk about revolution and all this shit, we gotta start, like, what are you doing on your day-to-day basis to understand what folks that don't identify as the same thing as you, as you identify need in that society? Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> if we don't 
liberate our minds from these colonial propaganda you feel me and we have a revolution we is just going to recreate some of those fucking colonial propaganda after if our minds aren't changed you feel me if we aren't constantly re-educating ourselves from this system and oftentimes when we talk about anti-blackness we think about police brutality we think about racism you feel me but we don't think about anti-fatness we don't think about whorephobia. But what words you do people me? always like to use? Solidarity. Nigga, how are you practicing solidarity in your day-to-day life with these people? How are you engaging with disabled folks? How are you disa- How are you engaging with fat folks? How are you engaging with sex workers? How are you engaging with black women? How are you doing that now, nigga? But you plan on just doing this shit jump after into the fucking shit? revolution when you're supposed no, to just nigga. change? Like, cause no, because you ain't even built the habit to love and support them yet, nigga. <laughs> that shit ain't about to just turn so on. So just because we went to war with this fucking fascist <laughs> empire means you're going to be all right, nigga? You what? feel me? So that's why it's important that, nigga, we start having these conversations right now so that we can build a very, you feel me, liberated world for all black people. Whew. So Anti-fatness We did a great episode With Deshaun Episode 46 For niggas who don't remember Yeah Tap, tap back in with that You feel me That, that is a knowledge. Pre-reading Or a pre-audio <laughs> syllabus You feel me To fuck with Tap in with that Curriculum <laughs> for niggas man. You know what I'm saying Former teacher Current teacher Of this motherfucker Rocket You know So anti-fatness Essentially Is the hatred of fat people Right And then we think about The intersection of blackness Right You know We think about How black people Was killed by the police Often right Oftentimes It's black fat people being killed Eric Garner was killed by the police and they said he didn't die from being choked to death by the New York Police Department New York Pig Department Mm -hmm. but it was because he was obese right or because he had asthma or something like that right so seeing that intersection of you know blackness and anti-fatness right and we think about diet culture which especially is coming up right now like okay you know the corona weight you know like people saying that like oh don't eat too much don't snack too much you know what I'm saying it's like there's a lot of hatred towards fat people Right, and gaining weight in this time. Like, what are you talking about? You feel me? So just yeah. really understanding, like, how anti-fatness operates, right, in this world is super important if we're going to talk about being free. And a lot of this shit is, you know, as Deshaun said it in the episode, it's colonial, right? This colonial thought that we are saying throughout our fucking mouths. Niggas don't be understanding just how deep colonialism runs, bro, in our everyday lives and the way that we view the world. They don't like, understand nigga, who do you it, think bro. Created body standards, nigga. White folks, the BMI metric. White <laughs> folks, nigga, that <laughs> created by a white person for white people. That calls us obese because we don't fit the white, you feel me, aesthetic, right? The white, the you know, especially like a lot of shit is built off of like white women's bodies, bro. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So if we're going to talk about anti-blackness, we can't talk about anti-blackness, but I'll talk about anti-fatness, my nigga. When we talk about systems of oppression, nigga, anti-fatness is one of that systems of oppression. Yeah, come you on. Know? And that shit goes all the way back to slavery, right? If we're thinking about like the, the caricature of the mammy, right? The mammy was often seen as a desexualized character, caricature, right? But was oftentimes victims, victims of sexual assault on the plantation. But because she was con- considered as fat, right? Desexualized. We don't often hear about those narratives, you feel me, uh, of the mammy character, right? Being sexually assaulted, you know? Yeah. So just thinking about this shit, this shit has grown and this shit started in slavery, bro. It started in the, of colonization, you feel me? It's the colonial product and we're still living in this colonial product today. And as soon as we can better start to see the connections between that shit, between the two, is is as soon as we can start moving towards a, a actual inclusive and liberated world, my nigga. Facts. Come on. Because we got a lot of fat black folks running around this motherfucker falling victim to the state. Come on, y'all. 
So yeah, if you portfolio need portfolio too, yeah. we're gonna talk about that as well. And we're just trying to give you some pre-definition. You feel me? Before we get our expert on, you feel me? We ain't by no means no experts, but yeah, niggas is trying. And you know who knows? Uh, Raven might get on this motherfucker and correct this. About yeah. our we could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when we talking about um, horophobia and its links to fucking white supremacy and patriarchy, you got like we're looking at horophobia, right? Which is the Oppression and justification of the de- uh, like the exploitation and dehumanizing of sex workers, my nigga. It's right there for you. Literally, you feel me? A lot of our listeners are in Oakland. You feel me? We know OPD, nigga, sex trafficking, right? Literally, OPD had the, one of the biggest sex trafficking cases going on, right? And they're the ones who are supposed to stop sex trafficking when the niggas in blue is the ones doing it. What Ain't the fuck? <laughs> that that is the very foundation of this country. You feel me? Of fucking slave owners, nigga. Of Slave patrollers sexually assaulting, you know, enslaved Africans, right? This is the very root and the very foundation. So we're going to dive even deeper into that, you feel me, as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I, this is going to be a very, I'm, I'm looking to learn a lot. I know it's going to be a very informative episode. So, yeah, y'all tune in. Shout out Raven. Episode 71, Hella Black, you feel me? Tapping with us, you feel me? Patreon, patreon.com slash Hella Black Pod. Tapping with us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Give us a five star review, please. Please, a five star review. If you don't want to give us a five star review, just that's fine. Just don't give us a review at all. We don't want it. But yeah, tap in. Fuck with us on IG at HellBlackPod, Twitter at HellBlackPod. All right, shit. Episode 71. Have a black. You feel me? We in here rocking. Recording special guest for y'all. Special guest. You know, we've been coming with them guests lately too. We just been rocking. I know some like sometimes y'all might be tired of our voices and shit. So, you know, niggas is passing the mic, the virtual mic, and we in this motherfucker rocking. We got Raven on this thing, aka Mother Princess. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I'm virtually grabbing the mic. It's me, Raven. <laughs> What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing real good, you know. As good as anybody can be do during this time. How are y'all? We chilling, chilling, maintaining, you know, mobbing, mobbing, drinking our water, you know, green juice and shit, rocking. You out of Chicago, right? Yeah, I'm from Chicago, but I'm in Central Illinois for college, so you know, little bum fields out here. Yeah, we was out in Chicago maybe around a year this time ago. last year. Yeah, yeah, we, we pulled up out. There. We had a show at uh, University of Chicago. Uh, yeah, University of Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it was dope. It was cold oh, as hell. It was cold as hell. No, yeah, it do it do be cold as fuck <laughs> and windy as shit. What is like out there right now? Um, in in Champaign where I'm at, or in Chicago? Where you at? Oh, uh, it it was windy today, but it was like you know slightly nice. It was like I don't know. I'm real bad at temperatures, but it had to be at least seventy. <laughs> you be putting your arm outside the window. You be putting your arm outside the door and like, all right, that's the temperature. You be checking the temperature with your arm. <laughs> no, I judge the weather by how many niggas um riding down the street cat calling at me. So it was nice today. It was oh. a decent amount. That's how you know it's hot. <laughs> That's how you know it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well shit. Um we we kinda introduced you on our little intro, but I don't think anyone can do you more justice than yourself. Uh we told folks that we had Raven, who was a fast sex worker coming on to drop some game. But I don't know if you know what else you wanna how else you wanna be um you know, referred to. Sure. So, you know, uh, I'm Raven, like y'all said. I'm a sex worker, 
a uh, PhD student, um, a fat black woman, you know, um, a cat mom, so, you know, and a lesbian. So, you know, I'm kind of a little hodgepodge of things, but, you know, most importantly, I am a Sailor Moon fan. If there's anything I want people to know, it's that. Ooh, Sailor Moon. I'm not really, I didn't realize, is Sailor Moon anime? Definitely is, and if you haven't seen it, you're tweaking. I mean, I remember it from, like, being a kid. Sailor Moon, I thought about, like, what is that rum called? <laughs> Isn't there a, a rum called? Oh, like, Sailor Jerry. Sailor Jerry. That's what my mom was <laughs> Sailor Moon was hard, though. She had, like, that power that would come from her crown, right? Yeah, and she would get, like, Did she used to shoot niggas with that? Did she, what? did she used to shoot niggas with that? <laughs> like, what, like, what happened? What did no, she do she, with no, it? No, she used to uh, take her tiara and, like, sling it at niggas. Like, it would turn, <laughs> like, it's like a boomerang and motherfuckers would be destroyed. She know, did she know, like, did she know martial arts? Like, what was her thing? Well, I mean, not really. She, like, you know, it was a lot of light flashes. Like, she would say a catchphrase and motherfuckers evaporate in the light. They do totally, I, you know, do like, I need to watch really Sailor Moon? Do I need to watch Sailor Moon? I think so. I think that's because I'm tweaking right now. I ain't never watched. Okay, it. I'm about to. Okay, I, I wait. So, what's your wait. favorite catchphrase? Oh shit! What's your favorite catchphrase? Catchphrase. Um, it's like after she done transforming, like when she's like gonna beat your ass. She says, "In the name of the moon, I will punish you." And then she just, you know, oh, goes crazy. Shit. This is. <laughs> I'm gonna have, have to sample that and just it? like randomly put that throughout the interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, that's funny as hell. <laughs> it was only on for five seasons, though. Yeah, it was it was uh like five seasons, but I think it was like two hundred some episodes. Damn, two hundred episodes in five seasons. Those are some season seasons. Yeah, shit. We had like season season. Bruh. <laughs> so you said you getting your PhD? Yeah. So right now, you know, you got to complete your master's first. They accepted me as a PhD student, which is weird because it's like I don't have my master's yet. But um yeah, like I'm I'm a PhD student. What you studying? So I'm in educational policy with a with a concentration in uh social sciences. And then what I look at as far as like my research, I look at I'm currently looking at black sex workers and how like their proximity to deviancy um, this allows for them to like join academic and professional organizations geared towards black students. So, you know, thinking of like the Jack and Jill and the sororities and the fraternities, like they're for the advancement of black people. But there's a reason you don't hear about or really see sex workers like, you know, in that domain. What's your research on so far? Um, so far, I'm one like just defining you know deviancy trying to find a way to define it in the context of my research um so far though it's looking like you know there's the reason that uh, black sex workers are excluded from you know those type of organizations is on purpose because from what i'm understanding is that the hmm, how do i phrase this uppity black folks think that if they play by white people rules that racism will not exist for them so they exclude and ignore everything that makes them black, even though they're obviously still black and obviously still experiencing racism. And um, yeah, so, so you know, early stages, very early stages, but yeah. Shit, that sounds like some important work. 
thank you. You know, I'm hoping it'll grab everybody by the edges and get them to start acting right. Yeah, shit. You know, when you talk about D9, though, it's... <laughs> people all that's like a taboo thing for some reason talking about especially like respectability politics within that and you know a lot of the talented tense shit that been pushed for yeah that's how generations. yeah like for sure for sure motherfuckers definitely getting their feelings about it oh you're not wrong in the least uh, and there's you know people in departments that you know i work with or a department that i'm in that are part of you know orgs like that and you know they don't really um they have a lot to say about my work, you know, but, you know, I think that it's important for us to talk about these things that make us a little uncomfortable, you know, because if we don't, like, you know, shit gonna stay the same, you know? Yeah, I mean, good research should make you uncomfortable in some ways because it's exposing something that hasn't been talked about and that isn't normal and that isn't fucking standard <laughs> in this white supremacist, you know, society that we is living in. You're right. Emphasis on good research, though, because it's a lot of people in academia. Academia is trash. It don't mean nothing. Stats mean nothing. Uh, all of that shit. But it's people here that just, you know, reiterate the same thing that, you know, um, Du Bois been talking about for years. <laughs> what yeah. we're talking about. So, you know, emphasis on what you think. Good research makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah I'm in the academy, too. I teach at uh, Cal. <laughs> So okay, I'm, already, okay. I'm already knowing. I'm already knowing all that shit. Niggas just be repeating this shit and calling it new research. Like, bro, you saying the same shit over and over. You just, you just used a different big word to say it, bro. That ain't research. <laughs> That's called copy and paste and looking to do it uh, the source. I was about to say shit. Especially <laughs> white folks, they get away with doing that shit routinely. <laughs> shit. So I don't know if you've listened to uh, Hell of Black before, but one of the first things we try to do with Hell of Black is started off with some joy you know ain't that white joy but that black joy you feel me so you know i know joy is kind of hard right now or it can be hard especially in the times that we're living in but you know do you have any black joy moments that you you want to share with with our audience oh black joy black joy um man this probably gonna be weird as fuck but like something when you said joy the first thing that popped up in my mind it's how in high school niggas used to say, if you eat almond joys, you eat ass. <laughs> and like, that was what? such a. I've never heard that. <laughs> so I've never heard that. That must be a real Chicago thing <laughs> right there. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? I, I don't even know if it was a Chicago thing. You could just be a nigga that my school feel weird. But that's like, you eat almond joys, you eat ass. And that's such a black ass memory because I don't feel like that was said in non-black spaces. So, like, when you said that, I immediately got, like, a flash of happiness remembering, like, that wild shit. Because <laughs> Black Joy triggered Almond Joy, which triggered niggas eat ass. <laughs> and guess what? I eat Almond Joy, so they damn near weren't wrong. <laughs> oh, my God, your so mind. They were not wrong. Have you seen that little meme? Like, if you type, if you go to Twitter right now, you search, like, a, like a, oh, fuck, is it a GIF or a GIF? Who knows, know. nigga? Say <laughs> if you search whatever that is, um, and you put like confusion, what I'm seeing right now is that 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 gif with the nigga like where it's like fucking triangles and numbers and hella formulas going across his head. I'm trying to I figure already out. Know what yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to figure out how Black breath. Joy got you to think about Almond Joy. <laughs> like think how about we got Black Joy. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe maybe it's a coconut. Cause you know, bitches be like rubbing coconut oil all in their booty cheeks and stuff. Maybe like it's it's that. 
Yes, I do. <laughs> that that is a good. <laughs> that is a good theory. Yes, we we gonna have to research that more. That was fun. <laughs> that possible. was hilarious. Like that's like that whole sequence is very funny to me. That was you're you're very funny. <laughs> you know, you see a nigga eating an almond joy. <laughs> that you nigga know, eat ass. Almond joys are actually My disgusting. Grandma ass isn't. My late grandma used to eat them hoes religiously, so <laughs> she didn't tell me nothing. <laughs> uh, this, this is a great way to start this episode. <laughs> great way to start the episode. So, so let's see, what about you? You got Black Joy, he's about to go into the episode without talking about your own Black Joy. Nah, man, I'm always... Uh, <laughs> let me see. You. Let me see. I... You know what I'm making a commitment to right here on, on episode 71? For every episode, I'm going to start writing my black joy out before. So I don't got to sit here and ponder and waste our listeners' times with me fucking <laughs> acting like I'm at the McDonald's menu. Can I get a motherfucking uh, uh, Sprite <laughs> and uh, two McChickens. You heard it here first, uh, y'all. Declaration. I will be ready for every every episode of Hella Black Moving Forward. Episode 71. You will never hear me stutter over my black joy ever again. Yeah. Um, I, I can't it sounds like what you're talking about is journaling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to break your bubble. It just sounds like you're saying you've been a journal. No, so you know how we sent you an outline. Like, yeah. I'll, have a, I'll have a separate outline and I'll, I'll, I'll note my black joy. So when Blake asks me, what's my black joy moment, I can <laughs> open the doc up and I'm going to say, I'm going to be triggered by whatever buzzword I use and I'm going to tell my story. <laughs> but for my black joy, uh, I went to my granny house this past week and we got her some cable and wi-fi i know that man that's a big deal for me just because you know being able to do something nice for my grandma because niggas need cable and wi-fi period plain blank shit especially now niggas are so far removed from like not even basic cable but like when you don't have cable at all and all you get is seven channels and three of them are staticky that's what i had my grandma yeah. doing, and that's some bullshit so I went and got, I went over there recently. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, this what you be watching? Ba- damn near Telemundo? Nah, we ain't going out like this. I'm about to get my next nigga. time she talks to you. She's gonna know all the stuff on Love and Hip Hop. I'm finna, I'm finna get my granny every channel they fucking got. <laughs> I'm gonna get her some damn Wi-Fi. So that was my Black Joy moment. What about you? So super nice. I got my Harley waxed and washed. This shit was dirty. I got that shit cleaned. Yes, <laughs> that shit made me hella happy. <laughs> I don't know. I really love bikes and motorcycles and shit. So getting that shit washed, waxed, this shit looked like it was brand new right out the showroom. So shout out to Hard to Top Detail, man. Get me right, man. That shit was cool. And I went on a ride. Niggas been on the house in the house for a minute with fucking asthma and shit. But going on a ride, getting some some wind therapy is what I like to call it. That shit was nice to just get out the house, man. Experience some joy through that. That's man. Not real relaxing. Hey, happy for you, man. Hundred miles per hour, man. That shit feel like freedom. I swear to God. <laughs> I've always wanted to join a lesbian biker gang. Shoot. Now's the time. You know how to ride a motorcycle? Not at all. I want to be a. What do they call it? A backpack? I want to be a backpack. A fine bitch backpack. That's all I want. <laughs> My nigga said I wanted to join a lesbian biker club just so I can ride on motherfuckers' backs. <laughs> just so I can get on the back. Literally. <laughs> they gonna throw your ass in that little side cart. <laughs> That's that what happened side. in that movie. That movie Biker Boys. I just seen that movie. That shit was wild. <laughs> shit, well, we're gonna check up with you in like a year and see if that, that dream dream has came true. 
<laughs> so this quarantine over, that got to be the first on your list. We're going to hold you accountable to it, so. Please do. <laughs> Y'all ready to get the rock and we can dive into this, to this, to this game, this game related shit. You can lace our boots one time, Raven. We're trying to pick oh ourselves, pick ourselves up with the bootstraps with this, this radical, this radical theory and this radical action. So, oh my gosh. you know, first we wanted to ask, you know, we know that um, black fat people and sex workers are some of the most marginalized and oppressed identities in this white supremacist patriarchal state known as the United States of America. Um, and as someone that identifies as both, can you talk about your experience as a result of these intersecting identities? Yeah, so who that's lots to unpack here, as they say. So, you know, being like fat and black and you know, a sex worker, I'm in a in a field where people, you know, hire me for various services, but you know, they mostly um it's based off of like desirability, you know, and so I understand that as a black person, I'm already considered like undesirable. And then as a fat black person, I'm considered undesirable. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll be quite frank, you know, it's, it mirrors what it is in like, you know, the non-sex worker <laughs> world, the civvy world. And so it's a lot of, you know, uh, derogatory terms. You got to get in where you fit in, you know, like the only times it seems that like I'm brought up or respected is if, you know, motherfuckers feeling a little like desi and they want to do a fat, you know, black sex worker thread, <laughs> you know, it'd be the same like 10, 20 bitches and shit like that. Cause we're kind of, you know, it's not really too many of us um, or a lot of us are just in hiding, but you know, uh, while I don't get the, what's the word I want to use? I don't get the, I guess the non-fat experience with sex work where it's just a cute petite girl going out with a, you know, older man. I get the, you know, you're just so, so big. Can you dominate me? Can you make me feel like a weak, puny little white man? It's very, like, fetishy, even more so because it's the fatness and the blackness, like, working together. Yeah, we we talked about kind of that, um, that demonizing of black, of, of, of fat uh, black folks as a direct, direct result of kind of, like, you know, the mammy caricature. Like, that whole thing. Of For like, sure. Yeah. And it's oftentimes it's like being desexualized, but that's not the case at all, right? Like oftentimes like the popular narrative is being desexualized, but you're also sexualized in a lot of ways too, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, very sexualized. Like, you know, growing up, especially just, you know, existing in like my fat body, things that I will wear would just be more like inherently provocative because <laughs> it was on my body. You know, I had like titties and ass and, you know, stuff like that. But I'll be very, very upfront. Like, while I am fat, I'm on the smaller scale of fatness. I actually uh, recently, within the last six months, got some cosmetic procedures done. Um, I got liposuction and a Brazilian butt lift. So now my fatness is not only smaller, but it's more, um, it's considered desirable because it's proportionately in the right places. And so I will say, comparing before I got the CDL to now, like, now I have solid proof <laughs> that niggas just don't like fat bitches and it's just mean to them straight up because now that I'm shaped like a Coke bottle, people are nicer to me. Like, I'm still fat. So, you know, it's always somebody going to say something because I'm big. But people are nicer to me. People um, just treat me generally with more respect. 
I've always been a very, very feminine girl, like acrylic nail, lashes that um, when I blink, they, like, touch my eyebrows and, get you know, get a little uncomfortable. Wigs, pink is my favorite color, like, all of that. But I was never seen as feminine before I, you know, got my body proportioned in a certain way. But now, like, people just see me as a such feminine, light, sweet girl. And I'm like, wow, y'all niggas are wild. Because I've always been a boy. I was just shaped like a refrigerator. And when you talk about, I guess, like the the distance between fatness and femininity, 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 femininity. <laughs> <laughs> Femininity. Say femininity three times. <laughs> femininity, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we gotta start doing tongue twisters before we start. <laughs> this is what I get for calling you dyslexic last week. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> but when you see the distance between the two, right? This lets you know that with that experience, if 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 people equate fatness with not with not being feminine, you can imagine what the experience of a non of a fat black woman is like. Right, because a lot of your experiences is being not being erased. seen as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like not being seen as a woman. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen people start to to use this term um, with lots of, you know, things, but it's weird to me when they talk about fat black women that way, because they'll say fat black women, like, weaponize their femininity. There we go, yes! <laughs> like, yes, I need a one person. <laughs> that's a hard-ass word. <laughs> but they be like, you know, so-and-so is weaponizing their femininity, and I'm looking, I see it's a fat black bitch, I'm like, hey, how is she weaponizing her femininity? femininity <laughs> let's just and give it up let's like, skip that one <laughs> how is she weaponizing her girliness if motherfuckers don't even see her like as a girl or a woman like how how's that happening can you explain that to me you know people get mad and start using verbiage they don't even know the meaning of so you know right niggas just be using big ass words and words they just fucking learned that they don't even really know what they mean just to demonize black women, especially black fat. Ain't it wild how someone can can give and take an identity when they when they see? Yeah, like niggas like, be like, "Oh, I don't believe in feminine. identity politics." Now you're not. But now, like, hey, you you're weaponizing your identity, and you're engaging in some like, like identity politics. So it's like, nigga, what? Pick a side. You gotta bro. pick one. Like, is it not real or is it very real? Which is it? Because it sounds like it's real, and y'all just want to use it to your own fucking way. You know what I mean? Like no, y- yeah, y'all just every- making shit up. Every time, you know, it kills me, you know, when the, when the skinnies get to life, skinny shaming is like so real and da 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 like skinny tears taste delicious to me because it's just always, you know, for a fact, you know, for a fact that skinny shaming is not at the level of fat shaming because exactly. you yourself fear being fat. Like that's a legitimate fear within your heart. And, you know, it just goes over their heads and they cry yeah. more. Especially seen on Twitter, it was like this one trend. Like before you DM me, no, I'm looking like this, and then you see a bunch of like Ooh. skinny, skinny women like posting shit. Like, bro, this shit was not for you. Like, like, what the bro, fuck? What like, this shit was not for you? Chill. Like, it's li- it's like you took this thing that was clearly about motherfuckers with like stomachs, stretch marks, all of that fat bitches. This was clearly about fat bodies. And you took it upon yourself to use it as a moment for somebody to, like, give you validation in a world that already gives you validation. Like, you're sick. <laughs> you need help. Niggas be stealing from black fat folks. That's what it is. And it'd be black All people the doing the shit, too. I mean, that's how privilege works, right? All you get to pick and choose what parts of people you want. You want to you you try on. Yeah. Like, what? So you want to, like, be hella anti-fat, but then use the trends of black fat people. Like, what? Even in fat suits. Like, nigga, why not just hire a fat actor? 
Like, what? I've always wondered that. Like, it's this movie, this old-ass movie called Shallow Hell. Oh, probably yeah. the most problematic like movie I've seen. You know? Yeah, Shallow Hell is a, is, a, is a mess. Is that Kate Hudson? I don't know. One of the white people. Yeah, I think it's Jack. Is Jack Black in it? Yeah, Jack another, Black, and I think it's like the the woman who put on who put on the fat suit is Kate Hudson, I believe. I don't know. I think I thought it was her, but it's the same. Super skinny bitch, that's for sure. <laughs> like it's definitely not somebody fat. Like yeah, movies like that, like is it? It's like the same thing with you know people with darker skin tones or people of like very specific ethnicities. Like why not just get those people? Like <laughs> yeah. So just thinking about like respect for black women for black fat women and shit and then you know talking about like black sex workers as well so like what does respect for black fat sex workers look like you know because i think if we think about respect for black fat so black fat sex workers that's gonna lead to respect for everybody you know yeah so i mean i think you know respect is one of those things where i don't want to say what what one person what respect looks like for one person because it's just it's so different for everybody but i think as a general like statement like one you know decriminalize like fat sex worker bodies like of course um protect them from harm you know respect looks like you loving us in public and in private like i'm tired of the whole like i like fat bitches behind the scenes but in public you know i need me somebody who's a little bit more like conventional um like I, I think respect just looks like openly defending us a lot of people will defend us in private like i've had friends who somebody would say something really like fat phobic to me and then like you know when we're at home they're like i can't believe they said that to you da, 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 da. and it's like bitch you were standing right there why was i the only one opening my mouth like i, I think respect was like you know standing on the front lines with us and if you were asking me personally what I think it is, I think it's standing on the front line in front of me because I'm tired of talking about this fat shit. It's time for the skinny folks who know better to start telling their fellow skinnies to get it together. You said fellow skinnies. You fellow skinnies, nigga. Y'all, <laughs> need, y'all niggas need to link up and get it together. <laughs> Literally, y'all need to band together and just get it right. So, yeah, it's it's going to cause for a lot of motherfuckers to start, to start checking their um, anti-fatness. And I even think that, yeah, and I I, I realize um, that's something that shit has been hard for me to do, my nigga. Like, and of course, I don't think my anti-fatness always, as, a, as of late, right? It didn't look like making fun of fat people or laughing at, like, laughing at fat people for clearly anti-fat jokes and shit, right? Um, but it looked like my association to diet culture, you feel me? It looked like my association to my own body. And as a result, how I perceive my own body is a direct re- relation to how I perceive fat bodies in general, right? So it was like starting to do my own fucking unpacking. Like that's what niggas got to realize because people like to think that non-fat people not like to think that anti-fatness, anti-fatness doesn't, doesn't affect, affect them. them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's what niggas are starting to believe. And it's like, nah, first of all, I do. And you got to realize how that shit is directly connected to colonialism in the terms of if we're going to be talking about liberation for black folks. We got to liberate all, all black folks, and that includes fat black folks. Yeah, and I think the, like, you know, the introspective part, you know, you were mentioning, like, you know, um, thinking about, like, you know, fatness and diet culture, how that relates to you, whether you're fat or not. Like, as somebody who did get plastic surgery, like, that's something that I've had to do even recently. You know, I've always done it being a smaller fat, trying to not take up space, like, 
I'm not going to say no names because I'm not shady, but we all know the bitches on Twitter and Instagram that are, quote, unquote, you know, like, fat influencers and stuff like that, but they're shaped like, you know, Coke bottles, and they all, like, you know, racially ambiguous. I would never want to be one of those, taking up space in the fat liberation movement. <laughs> so, like, checking myself more and more as I, like, go down this, like, you know, cosmetic surgery road, as I plan to get even more because it's so fun, and then asking myself, like, hey, Raven, like, why are you so invested in having this body, you know, getting permanent, like, procedures to, like, make yourself look this way? And I, I don't want to, you know, come down on people or take away their um, autonomy, like, in them making decisions for themselves when they, like, partake in certain parts of diet culture or, you know, plastic surgery culture, culture to get, like, you know, body modification. I, I just think it's really important that we talk about why you're doing it, what you're going to gain out of it, and if this is something that you, like, you know, would feel comfortable, like, ever doing again. Because chances are, if you're not comfortable doing it twice, you're probably not comfortable, like, doing it the first time. And then also asking, like, I think I said this already, but who are you doing it for? That's, like, a super big one. Yeah. I mean, for me, it came down to, man, I've always wanted a bigger booty, <laughs> honestly. And then, you know, I know it would help me with, like, my sales. I know it would help me, like, with my sex work and stuff like that. And it has. It definitely has. And so, you know, it's just making sure that things like that, like, are just, you're always being critical of it. If yeah. you're not being critical of it, like, don't do it at all. Yeah, I just feel like so many times people want to not mention the why. It's like, dog, you gonna, you have the right to do what you're going to do, but we have to address the why. Because for one, the why might change your mind. <laughs> we gotta, it might change your mind. And for two, you don't want to, you, you can't be in denial. Because yeah. that denial doesn't just look like you only getting your, it doesn't look like your anti-fatness only affecting you. It looks like your it looks like the way that you interact with, with fat people in general. So let's yeah. not deny the why. Yeah, and I, for I, sure. I, and I think I think the why can bring out like um, issues of the system or you know the the phobia that you're trying to bring out too. Like it took me a minute to be able to say to myself, "I got this surgery because I'm tired of whenever somebody's like cool with me, I'm a big beautiful woman, but whenever somebody's mad at me, I'm a slappy shape, a sloppy shaped fat bitch." Like, I had to admit to myself that I was so tired of that. And then I was like, damn, what does that say about our society that yep. I got surgery because I'm, I was tired of people, like, making fun of my body type? Yeah. I mean, it's just so deeply rooted in the society. And, like, I feel like these conversations, like, I feel like I first got hit when, like, Deshaun started talking about this, you know? So even for me, like, I feel like, oh, I read a lot or I'm trying to learn a lot, but like, I'm, this is just a conversation that I'm starting to have within this past year, yep. you know, and especially relating it, you know, to white supremacy, to colonization, to these systems, you know, that we profess to hate, but then oftentimes we'll engage in like anti-fat jokes and shit like that. But I think that the introspective part, you know, that's, 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 that's the hardest part, you know, at least like, I feel like for myself, when I started learning about it, I'm like, okay, shit, like, why did I, you know, why am I obsessed with working out? <laughs> why do I need to work out, you, you know, or like just even shit in my childhood and shit, you know, I was always like bigger, I guess you could say, and just like, oh, you know, why was I made to work out? Shit like that. And how do I associate working out in a way that's actually healthy for me? You know, so I think that introspective part is is super important. So I think one thing to just transition a little bit is like, how can people start to unpack their fat phobia, you know? And I think a lot of it is being introspective in some ways, but yeah, just how how can folks begin to, unpack their fat phobia for both people that are fat and aren't fat. 
I think the first thing that comes to mind is understanding that your fat phobia is not a preference. Um, I think a lot of people are in this stage of like, you know, I, or they take the word phobia a little bit too seriously. They're like, I'm not afraid of fat people. I don't fear anything. Like, all right, nigga, shut up. I think people need to like understand that you thinking that I'm ugly and less deserving of certain healthcare rights, less deserving of respect, and less deserving of even getting fucking clothing options is not a fucking preference. That is, like, systematic as fuck. And then, like, I think as far as, like, unpacking it even further, asking yourself where you got these ideas from, you know, and then looking at yourself in the mirror, because I feel like we all have fat people in our life that we love because we know them personally. Looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, wow, like, the things that I think about fat people also extends to the fat people in my life that I love, and that's fucking trash because they don't deserve that. Yeah, it's facts. Yeah, I really, I really resonated with the like, look who you got your ideas from. <laughs> like, like, look who you, look who helped shape your your view on fatness. And when you see who the, it's, it's the same, like B, you made the point earlier, you getting this information from the same people that are in charge of the system that you claim to hate. But you engaging with it yourself. <laughs> exactly. I think another big piece is asking yourself, like, what is fat? What is health? Who's determining what's fat? Who's determining what's healthy? Who's determining what behaviors are, yeah. you know, this way? And a lot of it goes back to the, the medical field. And if we can have these conversations about how the medical system is, like, you know, very, very anti-Black, we need to be at a place where we have the conversations about how the medical system is very anti, you know, anti-fat and how it's, you know, perpetuating all these horrible things. Like, I think something Sid said that is, like, super, super resonated with me, got into an argument on Facebook with family members about it, is that obesity and obese is a slur. Like, that that's a fucking slur. Just because somebody put it in some little, you know, med school book, don't make it, like, not a slur. Right. And it's like these races been put in hell of racist-ass shit in medical school books, so why don't you think they're putting anti-fat shit in medical school books? Or they anti-everything else, nigga. Like, <laughs> what do we they have what uh drapetomia drapetomia was a, a psychological disease that they came up with for uh enslaved africans who was running off of the plantation like they literally said that was an academic term you that, know so it's like that, that was a disease that was a disease running so for like your freedom looking at the foundation and i think this is important especially you know you being in the academy and shit is like the academy is a side of colonial indoctrination and colonial this propaganda is, this is what produces all this, this is shit. what produces this type of thought that is later being used on Twitter or being used on television shows and shit like that. So a lot of this shit is, is rooted in the academy. And I like how you was talking about just health too, you know, like people, even for myself, like I probably gained 40 pounds since I stopped playing sports in college. But like my health is better than it was when I was in college. But people might not think that because I gained weight. But literally my body feels better. I'm not waking up with pain every single day. You know what I mean? Like my mental health is stronger. It's and health just- is such a a fully encompassing word too. You feel me? It ain't just the physical. But in America, in a in a in a country that hates fat people, we we directly connect weight to size. I mean, health to size. That's what we determine is healthy or unhealthy. Not your fucking organs, your nervous system, how bro. much weight you have. My little brother is skinny oh. as fuck. Like growing up, the nigga was so skinny, bro, and that motherfucker was so unhealthy with what the nigga ate. Like just eating hella candy and shit. Like it was nothing, bro. Like. I love my little brother and shit. Don't get me wrong, but that nigga was just eating hella candy. That's what's not healthy. 
So I was I was on Reddit. So, you know, I, this story is already starting off on me doing something dumb. I was on Reddit, and I was in the um, sugar baby part of Reddit, and they do these things where they rate your profiles on, like, you know, sugar baby websites. And at the time, I was um, vegan slash, you know, plant-based. And somebody, I kid you not, you know, I'm just putting it up there, like, rate my profile, you know, give me tips, like, what what, would you, what do you think is good? And this guy was, like, he gave me this whole, like, five-page paper on why it doesn't make sense for me to put that I'm plant-based in my seeking arrangements profile because I'm fat, and then proceeded to zoom in on the pictures of me and say that, you know, he's like, your BMI looks to be about this, and gave me, like, this, all these sightings about why it's, like, okay for people to hate me because I'm fat and I'm biologically inferior because I'm black as well. And I was like, damn, Reddit cop, dude, I was on Reddit for like five hours. Like, I just made the account. I was like, this shit kind of wild. Like, I heard Reddit is wild in general. Like, I ain't never really been on it. Yeah. Yeah, Reddit is um something else, but and I, I'm not saying that I like it or endorse it. Like people on yeah. Reddit are fucking sick, but like being on Reddit and engaging in like you know sex worker like Reddit's and stuff like that has made it made me see even more clearly the way that black sex workers are treated and demeaned and stuff like that. Because people who like I feel like Twitter people like are fake like progressive. Like yeah. you know they want to yeah. act like they don't have these horrible Reddit ideologies that they need to unpack and work through. Yeah, Reddit's are real fucking honest. <laughs> like, you can't hide from that. There's no face, really, on the profile. So it's, like, you know, more anonymous-like, almost like that 4chan shit. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, definitely. Yeah, I heard Reddit is, like, and 4chan is, like, those two stomping grounds for, like, white supremacists. No, yeah, I've never, I've never been given statistics on why I'm, like, my body and my race are biologically inferior. That was really new to me. I was like, damn. True. You know what? You know what I've noticed when it comes to like allyship and solidarity for 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 black sex workers and sex workers in general. Like a lot of motherfuckers is not going past the performative. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason why you still got so many black sex workers out here starving in fucking poverty. This is the reason why you still got so many black sex workers being assaulted and shit. It's because niggas not really taking the time to see what it need what what solidarity looks like, what it looks like to be in solidarity with black sex workers. Like niggas is just online taking all y'all fucking theory and preaching everything that y'all tell us and on the back end doing nothing to really improve y'all day-to-day living conditions. Not even going as far to really engage with y'all on a day-to-day basis. Pass as much as what they can get from you. No, very much so. I mean, you know, it's all fun and games when it's a thread, you know, talking about who you're sexually attracted to. But when it comes time to, like, you know, give me your fucking money, like, niggas is gone like completely when it comes time or you know just looking at who gets booked and who doesn't get booked like it's very very clear who's getting the money and who's not getting the money and black sex workers you know it's it's a whole different ball game like it's just very very hard and it gets more hard and more dangerous like you know the more deviant you are from everything else so if you're trans if you're a fat um i mean even little things as being like a bald black bitch into sex work like that can even like you know like cause you some danger yeah i know one thing we were talking about earlier on the introduction of this episode was this concept of like horror phobia so you think you can define that for us too sure so for me horror phobia is the hatred and discrimination um systematically legally and personally 
of sex workers or those like who engage within like the sex worker field but i also think that it can extend to people who are not in the sex worker field such as a girl who's you know wearing a crop top and somebody you know slut shames her for that like that's a that's a horrible type of thing to do but i feel like the root of it comes from like the hatred of like, like sex, sex workers, workers. and in, in my opinion i would argue the hatred of black sex workers I mean, because what is sex work in all in all of its forms, right? It's like women taking control of their bodies, women taking control, women taking control of their financial status. <laughs> we know in a patriarchal in a patriarchal society that is not what niggas want. That goes directly against At the status all. quo, <laughs> directly against it. Yeah, you're not you're not performing you're not performing capitalism correctly when you start charging for your time and your body. Shit, according to and according to patriarchy, you're not performing womanhood correctly either. Shit. Yeah, you're definitely not because you shouldn't be making money at all. Like you're, you know, whoever your man owner is should be yeah, making all the especially money. Especially not off your body. Yeah. <laughs> and when a man isn't making no money off that's of it, a whole nother layer. Like, especially I feel like right now, you know, as a lot of things, you know, I feel like it's transitioning to to online. We're seeing like a lot of increased hatred by men for sex workers who've, you know, moved more to like OnlyFans, right? Um can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about this and like, you know, what you think this hatred is rooted in? Uh, I think this hatred is rooted in like, in part, niggas are broke and they don't have access to pretty girls. Talk about it. It's a paywall. Now. It's niggas a paywall. Broke. And I think, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's some rich men too, you know, they're definitely, they all men partake in this, you know, to an extent, or they have. But, you know, I think a lot of it at the ground level, the first ones you see is always the brokest ones because, you know, they no longer have access to women, which, you know, I guess if you want to look at it like in capitalistic terms, like having pretty girls on you is like, you know, capital. So they they don't have access to that because they can't afford it because there's a paywall now. Um, I also think there's just a general disgust (laughs) when people ever see women, um, financially becoming financially free or close to financial freedom or on that path i think people really really hate that and more than they're unwilling to admit even when they see you know women with high-paying jobs even if it's a quote-unquote respectable job people hate seeing women at high-paying positions just being paid and having money it doesn't make them feel very good um and i think it makes men feel really really low about themselves i think it makes them feel like they're failing (laughs) <laughs> so they take that anger and that violence out on like women for sure and you know because of you know this only fans boom that honestly has has been happening for the past like six months i feel like before even like you know this pandemic took place but because of like this boom you're seeing more and more of it physically so i think it's a reminder every time a nigga log on to twitter damn can't afford it damn i don't feel like a man damn i'm not getting no pussy like i think it's just because it's so it's happening so rapidly they can't escape it anymore and so now they're like niggas are boiling over like they are no yeah it's like you know ten guys starting on OnlyFans, niggas be like shaking like that nigga from fairly odd parents they be dinkle bird but (laughs) (laughs) like they just be mad as fuck niggas about to pop a a blood vessel bro i've had to i've had to ask niggas like like my own niggas, like they'll they'll say something about OnlyFans. I'm like, bro, you gotta really ask yourself, why are you so concerned with this woman doing her buddy? Why are you so mad that she's getting money? Like, ask yourself those two things. Cause if you said that about a nigga, niggas would be calling you a hater. Niggas would be ready to kill you if you was pocket watching on another man, right? So I'm like, ask yourself why. Ask ask yourself why are you so upset that that she has OnlyFans? 
Cause you and now you look like money. a straight weirdo. Yeah, like you pocket watching niggas like be saying like a weirdo. Pocket watching this shit. Are you are you gonna say something yeah. that's gonna that's gonna be so, <laughs> bro? That's gonna be so misogynistic. Niggas gonna look at you like what? Like what? That, so that's why you mad. God damn, bro, you are weird as fuck. You out of pocket. Literally, the misogyny just be jumping <laughs> like, okay, out. That's, I what damn. that's what it really is. Niggas be sick over OnlyFans. I love this shit. I love seeing it. Can we? While we on the subject of OnlyFans, because. We we have that you, you made a you made a, a good point, Raven, about this thing with like niggas knowing that they don't have access to pussy anymore. And yeah, I think that's also on the opposite side of it. You see niggas basically saying, like, oh, if you got pussy, you wouldn't need OnlyFans. <laughs> it's like that's not the real that's not what's really going on. You niggas one just don't believe that you should pay for that you should pay for for, for porn or pay for content. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. This is this is a super big one for me. Like the whole people being like, "Why do you need to um, buy a girl OnlyFans? You can see pussy online for free." First of all, if you're watching like Pornhub or you porn like one of them, there's a very high chance that the pussy you're looking at is underage or that's an unconsensual situation. That's dirty as fuck. Um, secondly, even though like you know some of the women who are engaging in porn, like of course like they're you know doing it consensually and of age, like they're getting out of like so much fucking money the reason you're able to see this free on the internet is because somebody duped them over and didn't give them what they were worth period <laughs> so i think niggas are so used to seeing stuff like that for free and because they think it's, it should be free i'm a nigga i deserve to see you know like pussy getting cream pie like every day for free like and when a bitch says uh no i don't really feel that way so i'm gonna start an OnlyFans. they start like just tweaking bro they like lose their shit and what's crazy is that like, if we want to be honest, if you didn't want to pay for pay for porn at the place we are in society, you don't have to. Nobody's saying that Pornhub is getting shut down. Nobody's saying any of that shit. It's just bitches who are charging now. But them simply existing is like it's, like a, like, it's just a threat to their masculinity. Like, and they pay like, and that's where that patriarchy come in. It's like, oh, what you 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 talking about? You know. Empowerment for yourself? Oh, I can't have that. Hatred of women, bro. That's what. That's what. That's all it is. Like, we masculinity for sure is in it. But what it is is like niggas literally can't on some white shit. Niggas can't stand to seeing folks taking their destinies into their own hands. People can't seem to. People can't stand to see people have power over their own lives. Niggas love saying self determination, but when a black woman or a black woman sex worker practices self determination. They got, every, they got every they got every everything excuse to say. In the book. <laughs> they got every keyboard to pull out, nigga. <laughs> like what I want to say. I think go ahead, my bad. I was just gonna say, I think also paying for porn is one of the easiest ways to get into the habit of like paying black women, paying black sex workers, paying fat black people. I think that's one of the easiest ways to get into the habit and the like, you know, yeah, the habit and the tradition of doing that. You know. Like, I don't think porn is bad at all. I don't think sex is bad. <laughs> I think all these things are great. I love the erotic. But, like, if that's something you're interested in and you claim to be about supporting these groups of people, pay the people to do that on camera for you because they will. And you're supporting someone and you're also getting, you know, your little nut off. Oh, if, you're, if, you can, if you identify as, as, a, as, as a black radical, a black leftist, and you're not paying for porn, your whole shit is capped. Period. Point blank. Your whole shit is cap, bro. Really? Like your whole, your whole, your whole shit is cap. I'm telling y'all right now. I am on OnlyFans. Period. Point blank. A part of my politic is paying for the porn that I consume, nigga. Period. You pay. No, yeah, I remember the first. You pay people for their labor. Period. Point blank. You pay people for their labor. 
I watch only I told bitches at a session that I was subscribed to like this girl OnlyFans and when I tell you they was looking at me weird as fuck and I was like, Whoa, y'all don't pay for y'all porn? We was high as fuck. I had to get them to spiel. I was like, Whoa. Tell these niggas why. Tell these niggas why they need to pay for porn. Tell these niggas why. No free labor, nigga. <laughs> so especially with this, you know, pandemic COVID nineteen, right? Um, you know, in Oakland, like seeing how this is affecting, you know, sex workers, right? Like OPD was literally had a whole sting operation on sex workers, right? Um, so yeah, can you describe just a little bit more how you think, you know, COVID-19 is affecting sex workers and like what mutual aid and what support is needed for, for sex workers during this pandemic? Yeah, so I think a good starting point for this question would be if you've seen Hustlers, <laughs> the mess that it was, um, the part where it was after 2008 and you saw the strippers struggling and broke, that's, that's what's going on now. <laughs> if the people who pay us don't have money no more, who's going to pay us for services? Who's going to use our services consensually and safely? So what's going to start happening, as much as I don't want it to, is that because people don't have money to pay for things like normally, people are going to start exploiting sex workers more and more. People are going to start you know, um, sexually assaulting them because there's this idea that people like own sex workers' bodies because that's just what we're here for, right? Like, and so more violence. Um, and then, of course, seeing operations like this, there are more women turning to sex work or the women who are in sex work are now no longer like screening or doing all these things because they, at this point they're desperate for cash and they just need the money to survive. And so like, you know, the police, of course, and <laughs> law enforcement, they're just going to jump on that you know, to put more more people in jail, to criminalize more people, all things like that. And so right now it's it's really rough for a lot of sex workers. A lot of, you know, um escorts have begun to do online sex work. Um, but that's getting that's it was kinda oversaturated before, but now it's really oversaturated and just there's just not enough money going around. And so it's it's making it really hard for people to find a living. Um, but it's also making it just more dangerous because those who are in the game, like, you know, shit is getting real tough and real real right now. Yeah, as if it was safer safe for sex workers to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Situations like this gonna make it even more unsafe. Every time. And then of course, you know, we talk about how black people are disproportionately being affected by COVID nineteen. Like, but I think of uh, black sex workers, if you were to look like that specific, that's also gonna be there too. Because now, you know, this whole social distancing, how do I social distance if the way I get my money is by like being in person with clients? Like, what yeah. does that mean? You know, and so you got people who are like, you know what, I can't social distance. I got to put like food on the table or, you know, like, I don't even want to perpetuate this whole narrative about every sex worker being like super porn, bro. Bitches just might want still want nice things. They might want a Chanel bag, but like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go like do my job. And so, yeah, now they have the wrong and shit like that. And then they go see more clients and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's just like impacted at that level pretty severely. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about here at OPD. We had a, we had a huge scandal where um, yeah, OPD was basically sexually assaulting uh, underage trafficking. Yeah, tra with the trafficking and, and sexually assaulting underage um, girls. And so now I'm thinking about what it's like to even have this hyper visibility of the police out on the street with the shelter in place, taking them motherfuckers, knowing that they're not there to protect niggas either. That they there to cause the same harm. Abolish police. Period. Facts. Abolish the concept of police. 
the police themselves, abolish the government, abolish the state, abolish the USA. Let's let's get started <laughs> right now. So as we talk about this pandemic and the experience of sex workers during this time, what mutual aid has been offered to y'all or and what mutual aid is needed? Mutual aid been offered to us that I'm I'm not quite sure. As far as I know, nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's um still, you know, all these like fosters that set the like just that's so up. <laughs> so I mean, like, if anything, there's still like harm being done against us. And then I would say what these sex workers like me, I, it's gonna be very individual depending on the sex worker, but money. We're in a capitalistic society where the only time we have access to, like, resources and shit is money. And if you can't give us money, but you have a way of giving us those resources, give it to us. Not through, like, a middleman, not through some fancy little organization that makes you feel good, but give it to us directly. We got cash shots in our bio. We got, you know, Venmo, PayPal, Bitcoin, all of it. Trust me. So I would say, like, start paying for porn. I think that's a great way to like start like putting money in people's pockets during a time like this. So that's the only like mutual aid I could think of is just like listening to what sex workers want. If you know one in real life, like personally ask them for it. But um, yeah, that. So to, to, to ask you again, I guess from your personal, your personal perspective, you know, Blake and myself are, are two men that, you know, say that we adapt a politic that will dismantle patriarchy um, and we want to be allies in solidarity with women. So as two niggas that identify as that, what are some ways that we can show up for, for women and for, and for, and for sex workers? Uh, I think the two that pop up in my mind immediately is reference us when necessary and protect us without us having to ask you to. I think that it, it gets really, really tiring always have to be the fat black sex worker that has to like, you know, check somebody when they say something that's against fat black sex workers. Like people already don't want to listen to me because of the body that I'm in. But then it's also like, I'm getting tired. I'm getting stressed out. So if, if you're like, you know, um, a cishead man, like, or, or if you're anything that's just not a black sex worker, I feel like a real good thing for you to do to hold yourself accountable and to like help like dismantle like these systems is when people do start wilding, you know, you step in the front line and you say something and then you remind them niggas, hey, I'm saying this to you. I'm checking you on this. But guess what? Shorty said this before. So that way, you know, mothers don't develop like that hero complex that white people do when they start mm -hmm. like advocating for people yeah. of color. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. got Tim Wise over here acting like he's the fucking white savior talking for everybody. <laughs> don't even, you know, just, just like in academia, they don't want to throw it back to like the person that said it originally. So now it looks like they didn't invent it, this brand new thing. And wow, don't they deserve all the flowers? Like, no. So defend us um, without us having to tell you to in public and in private. And then remind niggas that we've been saying this shit for years. I think that's a perfect segue to go into our, our Patreon exclusive content. But before we do that, you know, can you plug your socials? Cash app, Venmo. Cash app, Venmo. Only fans. Only fans or whatever you got. Bitcoin, whatever. Yeah. You, what what our listeners oh, know. I, I don't have an OnlyFans, but if you would like some content of me doing some sexy stuff, just DM me on Twitter at Mother uh, Princess, and then my Venmo and my Cash App are Mother Princess, like a pimp, not princess, so princess. 
Um, and then, of course, like, if, if you just want to have questions or you just want to have dialogue about any of this stuff, my DMs are open for that, too. I don't really do free labor, but I really do enjoy, like, you know, talking about stuff like this. And, you know, I think the best ideas come from simple conversation. Well, we appreciate you for sure. Thank you for fucking with Hella Black. Yes, of course. So to tap into this next part, tapping with our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Pay up, nigga. Pay for the labor. Pay for the learning, nigga. Support Hella Black. Patreon.com slash Hella Black Pod.